Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by my good friend and partner in radio, Barnabas Piper. And Pipe, we found out just a scant few minutes before going on the air uh, that we would be without Ron Martin today. So Because he is, of all things... Wait for it. Traveling. Traveling. Of course, he's traveling. Uh, Our boy, man, you cannot pin Ron Martin down. Uh, He is a traveler. And I don't know if he's in Florida planting substance south i mean what, um, what kind of a jet setter is it that confirms yesterday he can do this and then today like there's just an urgency to his like the need for ron martin in another part of the country or yay yay the world who knows yeah and he's just Dude, that's off. it i mean i just feel like there's an unbelievable need for ron martin out there and you and i pipe are just we're just a part of it you know what I mean? And as, and as much as that apparently hurts. Apparently not the first ranking part of it. Apparently not the biggest part of it. Exactly. Like he's needed in other places. And I think the prospect of like sitting down in that Ashland studio and doing radio, like it can't hold a candle to getting on an airplane. You know, um, you're rolling that little rolling bag down the down the concourse and waiting for for your gates. Um, you know, those things, those things are magic compared to this, and you know, how, we can't compete with that. How thrilled, like just sort of what, how much did his soul just well up yeah. when scant <laughs> minutes before the podcast, he received the call, you get yeah. to leave Ashland again. Dude, what do you think it feels like for Ronnie when like some organization reaches out and says, will you come speak at our regional whatever conference? Like, that's got to spike the heart rate. Like there's a flushing of the skin. I mean, this is this is best case scenario for Ron Martin. But I'm trying to think what that would be analogous to for like you and me. Uh, yeah, I I mean, for you, it's probably like getting called by the local what, like Arena League football team. Dude, totally. I was just like, gonna say that we like, need if, we need a long snapper. Will you come? We need a long snapper. Can you meet us this weekend? And I'm like, sweet. Yeah, that definitely spikes the heart rate. All that all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, I, um, I, for me, it would probably be, uh, let's see. I mean, I, I filled in as a co-host on other podcasts before, you know, where people are like, yeah. hey, can you jump in there? So there's there's an element of that, although that yep. doesn't pay as well as, say, speaking at a regional pastor's event. Meaning, oh, I don't know, man. doesn't pay yeah, at all. Meaning it doesn't pay at all. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so, I mean, if, if, if he gets an honorarium of like a box of raisins and $11, that's, that is a box right. of raisins and $11 more than I get for podcasting. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. Or, or if I get called and somebody's like, "Hey, our uh, our second baseman is out on our softball team. Will you come play?" That that's Dude, there you go. I'm in. Yes, I will. That's a good I will, evening. I will pinch second base for you. Absolutely, that's a good evening. And Piper, speaking of uh, you know getting offers and getting business offers, um, is this week one of our of our new big promo it to drop? Is. Because I'm, I know you I'm just looking, closed a huge deal. Yes, because that's what we do. We broker huge deals. I yeah. uh, I'm looking at the talking points right now. And right. and a, a pile of very attractive screenshot images of this thing that we will be promoing. That sounded almost scandalous for a moment until you realize Dude, that I'm did. talking about a venue space, not oh, a human being. There it um, is. Man. Sorry, no no Frank McKinney in this episode. Um, <laughs> so our sponsor for the next several weeks actually is called Noah Events. So Noah's Events, and it's uh, it is a company that provides event venues specifically for either church plants or churches who have outgrown their space and are looking for a bigger space. They're in multiple states around the country, uh, and they have multiple locations in those states. So it's not just sort of a a one little regional thing. If you go to Noah, as in Noah and the Ark, so noahevenue.com, 
slash church, noaheventvenue.com slash church. You can learn more. But here's the deal. All the AV is included. Um, they have Wi-Fi. They have the lighting. They have Apple TVs. They have private parking. They have s- different spaces uh, so that you can obviously have your larger service, but then also Sunday school classes or child care. They have a kitchen prep area. So, I mean, this is a full-service event venue. It's not just renting a room or yeah. or renting a uh, you know the auditorium at the local school so that it smells vaguely like sour milk during the Lord's Supper. <laughs> um, and I'm looking at these pictures. They're really nice. This is a Dude, nice I'm looking venue. at them, too. I'm looking at it right now, and you know, we're probably thinking the same thing, Piper. Here's what I'm thinking. The next Live in Louisville has to happen at a Noah's event venue. Well, um, I was thinking something different, but that's brilliant. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was actually, what were you thinking? I, I, was, I was thinking what will happen when Substance Church outgrows their warehouse. Can they find uh, a Noah's event venue to use? Um, see, these Noah events venues are actually, I think, a, even a little bit too sort of clean and sleek and modern for, for Substance Church. Because I, I gather that a little bit of the substance ethos is like that whole sort of we're going to gentrify like an old crumbling building downtown. Yeah, kind of thing. having having bricks with the mortar that like scrapes your elbow when you walk by is their style. These are much exactly. more like nice hardwood floors. Nothing's going to scrape your elbow in one yeah. of these Noah events venues. However, I will say these are these are very tastefully modern, not sort they of are. like they're 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 you can dress these up or dress these down. Let's put it that way. So. And I'll say this too. Um, they're nice. There's, there's something here for the hipster. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not like a hundred percent hipster by any stretch of the imagination. But if you if you are a hipster, like there's a little something here for you. Um, it's it's not totally corporate. So Ron could maybe make this work. You know, I'm looking at these venues and I'm going, where would Ron put the like? Where would the snack bar go? I know, you know the cafe, was, the empty snack bar, and the <laughs> pour right. over and the pour over coffee. Um, I I'm a little. Dude, he's so proud of that pour over coffee stand. Yeah, he acts I'm not, not quite proud sure. of it. Like it's ironic, but I, I want to see pictures of it. I really do. I want to see the, you know, the kids in their leather aprons, and I, I want all that. So, you know what? If you're a listener and you go to Substance Church in Ashland, Ohio, um, let's cut out the middleman and just send us some pictures. Uh, Piper and I want to see it. We want to see what we're because we need to thinking. figure out where that coffee bar would fit in a Noah's event venue. That's right. Um, Tie back into that, the sponsor, baby. Yeah, yeah that track. that we need to figure out where that would fit because because we need to figure out how Ron can move Substance Church into one of these once that yeah. church explodes because we know he is all about church growth. That is Ron's he, thing. He's all about church growth. He's all about multi-site, and by that I mean he wants to put one of these in Florida. So <laughs> I bet there's a Noah Events venue in Florida. I believe I'm the map right now. There's four of them. I was going to say I believe there are. There's there's quite a few in the Northeast. Uh, yep. And then, then throughout the Midwest, I think. I mean, they cover they cover coast to coast. They they are yeah. well spread out. So let's wrap this sponsorship up again. Go to noahaeventvenue.com slash church to check it out. So if you are a church planter or part of a church that is going through any sort of planting expansion, multi site anything, and you're looking for a venue, that's what they do. They they are they aim to work with churches for this very thing. So go check it out. I love it, Piper. And uh, let's let's keep talking about live in Louisville at a Noah Events Center. I feel like we uh, we could level up our operation even more. Yeah. Maybe we could get into a room without frames like moss on the walls. Um, but do we want to? I don't know, man. I got to tell we, you, that threw me. I didn't know what to do with that for. Yeah, me. that's true. I mean, we the first one we did, we had the the John Calvin bust um, 
That's right. staring us down the whole time, kind of yeah. low grade guilt throughout the entire event. And then this Absolutely. last time, yeah, there was there was there was framed licking on the wall, and that was mm-hmm. uh, that was that was more bizarre than than anything. That was not that was a lot of bizarre at the Noah's event venue. These are these are really no. just classy venues that classy, tasteful. They yeah. look they look very comfortable, which is exactly how people would not describe us. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And Piper, along along those lines, we have some actual ranting to do about the culture. Um, the show is called the Happy Rant. I feel like at times we don't really rant too much, but uh, I feel like this is going to be um, a rant heavy episode in that. Uh, part of our show prep, our pre-production meeting consisted of some things that you sent uh, along the lines of society just really sucking now. And uh, I want to talk about these. I want to talk about the the ways in which it signals the kind of the downfall of society. And uh, and we'll start there. But I have to ask because I didn't write it down because I'm not a radio pro. Um, you mentioned one last thing that wasn't on the text chain. What was it? Do you remember? Why is everybody a model? Yes, let's talk about that. So your question was, why is everybody a model on Instagram or social media? Yeah. And the point being, like, when we were growing up, when you would take, like, a like a Polaroid with your family or, you know, just someone was in the room snapping pictures, there was no sense of, I have to make this look like a modeling headshot. Yeah, I, I, um, I encountered professional photographers two times a year, and I hated them both. One was school pictures. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The other was the church directory photo shoot. And it was probably the same photographer at both. It was probably Jostens, uh, yeah. you know, and it had the same sort of blue-gray, like, tie-dye-looking background and the end. That was the, That was the extent of my experience in front of a professional photographer. Does not seem to be the case for people anymore. Small digression on that, man. Would there be any sort of vocation more grim than being a Jostens photographer? You know what I mean? Like, that would be tough. Um, I feel like someone is going to write, like, a depressing art film about about that. You know what I mean? Like, you're... I feel like their side gig must have been, like, doing doing mug shots at the local local precinct. Because it's basically the same (laughs) thing. Stand here, turn that way, turn that way. Bad lighting. Give the kids that little comb. You know, yeah, they get a free nobody, comb. nobody wants to be there. Well, that's yeah. not true. The little girls were all prepared for their grown-up Instagram modeling careers. The little boys felt like th- they were getting a mugshot. Dude, so let's talk about like the the psychology behind this because it's fascinating. So why why does everyone feel like they need to have a modeling worthy shot? And I've even seen this among dudes. So this is not unique to women at oh, all yes. like not every, remotely gender specific dude like every other dude you you look at online like pastors pastors authors even like low-level authors in our universe like they've all got a glamour shots sort of thing that they're that they're rolling with online and it's it's funny man i gotta tell you because these people you know by and large do not they they don't have they don't have model tools you know, if, if we're talking about them in strictly athletic terms, you know, <laughs> their portfolio of assets does not That's it. speak That's model. It. It, it doesn't just jump off the page. It doesn't scream model. So why? What's going on here psychologically? Well, let me ask you a question before I get to that so that I know exactly who I'm insulting um, sure. and how much I'm insulting them on the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. How often have when was the last time you got professional headshots taken of any variety? I mean, and it could be like. 
Yeah. I don't mean like a full photo spread, but just like something. Yeah. So because as an author, you have to turn these into publishers because they go on yeah. the back of the books or they end up in a press release or whatever. When was the last time you did one of those? Probably three years ago. Okay. And, and is that about but, how often you do them every like three to five years? Dude, no, it's not intentional. And, and what it is, it's whenever I run across or I know I'm going to be spending time with a photographer who I like, uh-huh. like for, for years, Zach Bartle's wife, Erin Bartle's took my headshots and she's phenomenal. Like she is the best. And, and you know, if I, if I was really thinking clearly every time I was going to hang out with the Bartles, I would have Aaron, you know, take a, a set of these for me. But, um, in lieu of that, I had a photographer here take a set like three years ago and, um, he did a great job, but I'm already like, I need to, I need to redo those. Um, but I hate doing it. I hate getting my picture taken. It's my least favorite thing in the world. I feel like I look stupid. I don't know what to do with my mouth. Um, there's just a whole set of problems that, uh, I just don't like to deal with there. But, uh, what about you, man? How often and and what was the last context? Uh, it exactly the same circumstance, which is if I am in a context with somebody who is a, usually it's somebody who's trying to start a photography business, which means they want to build. Which means every person now. Yeah. That's literally every person. That's, that's three quarters of my friends. Um, and it, it also means they'll do stuff for free because they sure. just they just they're like, hey, can I throw this on my website? Um, yeah. And uh, and so, yeah, it was probably four years ago. I got one. I got one set done. And by set, I mean, like three shots, you know, uh-huh. and then yeah, exactly. when I was, same here same when here. I was in Israel last year, there was a, a photographer who was traveling with us. And so, um, you know. There's some rather scenic places around Israel, if you haven't heard. And so the yeah, last one I've I got seen. that I've used is uh, was on the Mount of Olives overlooking the old city of Israel. And I mean, but it, again, it was it was five minutes or less. Yeah. It was like standing at the railing, snap one smiling, one more serious at the end. That's my version yeah. of headshot. So when I see people doing the – I mean, there are people who just like – they go do photo shoots. Like yeah. As, oh, the, yeah. as the subject. Yeah, that's the thing. Like that's what we're doing. We're doing a photo shoot. And I would say that that applies to a lot of people and especially especially younger people. Um, it's really fascinating. What, what was the last person? And you, you probably can't name them by name, but you can maybe describe them for whom you looked at you looked at their pictures for one reason or another. And you were you were surprised by how like model model shoddy it was. Like, what uh, type of person are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about. Well, the two come to mind, both men, actually, uh, in large part because it would be rather creepy if I was regularly scrolling through the photos of women on Facebook uh, or or Instagram. Um, One of them was a communications director type at a church. Yep. The other being a worship pastor type at a church. Oh, yeah. So so, (laughs) pardon the cliches, everybody, but Uh they exist for a reason. They really do, man. And so you know the worship pastor type. That like that guy kind of thinks of himself as a celebrity. You know, there's there's a real sense of like, hey, this this could go somewhere. That's you know? the saddest sentence. The worship pastor oh, thinks know. of himself as a celebrity. Let's Am just I wrong, let's though? just all give up now. No, no, we should definitely give up for sure. I'm not disagreeing with that. But am I am I wrong about that though? Uh no, I think you're absolutely right. At at the vast majority of, of um, mega churchy type places or church plants. Those, both yeah. of those, they, yeah, because church plants are aspiring mega churches. 
Yeah, for sure, man. And the church planter thinks of himself as a little bit of a personality. You know, I think I think that's a thing in some cases. So yeah. church planters think of themselves as entrepreneurs, which means Dude, they, they, do. Think, they think of themselves as like Simon Sinek as opposed to like, I don't know, yes. a shepherd of a small flock of people. Dude, you're so right. So hey, we could do a whole show on this, to be honest. Like, why is why is church planting perceived as sexier than than being a pastor? And even the way you introduce yourself, you're like, hey, I'm a I'm a church planner. And, you know, like instead of saying like, hey, I'm a pastor. Um, why, why is that sexier? But, but it totally is. And it's a totally different kind of person that it attracts. I think, um, it, it falls like I, there's this whole sort of economy of cool in ministry. That uh-huh. is when you take a step back and you look at it, you're like, that makes, that makes the least sense of, of anything since the NFL's rule book. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's, it's completely odd. Like the gradations yeah. of cool, based on church size, based on location of your church, based on um, whether it's a church plant or an established church. There's sort of a denominational yep. flavor thrown in. There's yep. the name of the church. You know, I just was, I saw somebody, uh, I saw there, there's, there's a church in Colorado called Brave Church. Oh, my. Yeah, of course there is. Good for them. Um, I would like to go to Cowardly <laughs> Church myself. Um, exactly. I just, like, the, these are the things, like, there's a there's now a branding element like churches have mm-hmm. branding people which yeah if you say that out loud 10 times it should start to sink into your brain that that's just asinine actually it felt weird just the one time that you said it out loud right How i was speaking even... to the listener who may not have sort of <laughs> who they, they may be the, the church branding guys so you need to think yeah. about your job and yeah. whether or not it should exist at all uh and if i'm offending you Dude, well, I've known welcome, one welcome church. Welcome to the brand- show. I've I've met in person and known like one church branding guy in real life, and he's he's like apex mountain of my least favorite people <laughs> in the entire world. He's 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 on top, you know. Um, no offense, so though, to do, church branding. Do you guy. want a cynic? Do you want a cynic's view of church branding? I would love it. Lay it on me. Churches are trying to be businesses. Uh-huh. But they're bad at it because they're not they're not really businesses. They're not supposed yeah. to be. That's not what a church is. Yeah, Which yeah. means that the people who come in and do branding and marketing are essentially just selling to suckers. Because uh-huh. churches are sucker businesses. So uh-huh. I was talking to a guy who I'm in a small group now, and he said when he first moved to Nashville, his job was selling sound systems to churches. So essentially getting them to upgrade. Right. And he couldn't do it for very long because he said he just felt like he was being soulless, but he's yeah. like, yeah, you go into these churches and you're asking them to spend another six figures on sound systems. And they do it because yeah. churches are suckers because they're bad at business, but they're trying to be a business. This yeah. is what happens when you, when you move off of ministry and start and start trying to do things corporately, which means yeah. that the branding thing, you don't even have to be good at branding. You just have to right. sound like you're good at branding and all the church is like, Oh, hire that guy. Dude. Yeah. You could go in and like, fire up a PowerPoint presentation and just do some like marketing word salad. And they're like, yeah, I'm ready. Let's do this. Okay. You know? here's, here's another thing on branding. If a branding yeah. guy uses PowerPoint, don't hire him. Interesting. Like, what should the branding guy use? This is how little I know about branding. Like what is he using? Um, not PowerPoint. Yeah. Pa- PowerPoint, I feel like... PowerPoint is like the lowest common denominator of presentations. It's, it's, yeah. it's the, you can use that in, in a couple contexts. Uh-huh. Um, finance, and yeah. if you're a professor. 
Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. because both of those are just information. Yeah. But if yeah, you're trying to sure. do anything aesthetic, uh-huh. I mean, like pull out a flannel graph for goodness sake. Yeah. Because dude, if, because if, at least it's retro cool. Dude, if I was in church uh, branding, I would use a flannel graph. I, I I like that. I think that's a good move, man. I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the flannel graph needs to make a comeback in like in kids Sunday school and church branding and preaching illustrations and and all sorts of things. Dude, here's what I would love, and call me an egomaniac. You know what? Doggone it. But I'm I'm owning it. I would love for there to be like little flannel graph guys of like me, you, and Ron, and maybe like a little table with microphones oh, on it, wow. and people could do their. They could do their own like flannel graph like scenarios about the happy rant. Wouldn't My mind be, is blown right now. Wouldn't that be great, man? That would be. How do you incredible. get those produced? I'm sure there's like a hipster company in Nashville that are like custom make flannel graphs for it's you. It's got to be it, cheaper than bobbleheads, and you can make those of anybody. Exactly. Somebody look into this. Some listener look into the flannel graph thing. Uh, I would love to have this flannel graph characters of the happy rant. Um, nothing would make me happier, pipe. And you know what? Even as I say that, I see the hypocrisy in us ranting about people becoming models on Instagram, but then me turning around and asking for like a little paper guy of myself with that, like that little yellow strip of adhesive or whatever it is on the back. And yeah, then, but and you're then not. The are board. you intending to wear like a straw boater and lean against it <laughs> and lean against a, uh, an old uh, exposed brick building? With no. your skinny jeans rolled just above your untied boots, like is are you yeah. planning to do that in the flannel graph? Dude, no, I'm not. Okay, and, then, and what's then you're more? very differentiated from the Instagram model. I feel like people lean way more in their pictures than they actually lean in real life. Do you know like in why? real life? Because if you take a photo of somebody standing up, they just look awkward. It's just like ah, uh, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, but I, I feel like in in photos, people are forever leaning against things. But in real life, like I, I almost never see anyone leaning. You I, know, I have a theory on why people lean so much in photos. Uh, in part because <clears throat> it looks slightly less awkward. You know, it's yeah. like the faux relaxed pose. But yeah, really, I think we can all blame uh, glamour shots and our senior pictures. So go yeah. back twenty years. They're like, hey, here's a here's a a Doric column that comes up to your elbow. Lean on this, <laughs> exactly. or you know, here's a here's a like green screen tree lean against that and then they snap the photo with whatever background you want you know want an autumn background or a spring spring background so yeah that's dude i totally had the door column in my uh, in my senior pictures you're you're spot on with that i think Uh-oh. i think i had i i think that was one of the options but i didn't order those because even at 18 i realized that an elbow height doric column seemed a little dorky man i feel like it sucks to be like a real photographer now like if you, if you were the senior picture guy 20 years ago, man, you were loving life. Like things were, things were really popping for you. You had a little niche business. Not everybody could do it. But now like, dude, you swing a cat in any direction and you hit a college girl with like a $3,000 camera who's probably taking like her friend's senior pictures for, you know what I mean? It's like totally thrown the market completely. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And and, I mean, I have, I mean, like you said, all of our friends are, somebody has, they're trying to start a a photo business. They are, you know. Every they're, friend. They're a wedding photographer. They're oh, yeah. a, what, you know, senior photos, uh, whatever it is. And, it, yeah, I just uh, – like it's one thing to enjoy taking photos and sort of doing it as a hobby. And then if somebody asks you, be like, yeah, I can do that for you. It's another thing to be like, I'm starting a photo business. Like, yeah. No, you're taking pictures. Those aren't the same <laughs> thing. That's like me saying I'm starting a writing business. 
no, I write things and occasionally I get paid for it. That Those are yeah. not the same things at all. Dude, that's interesting because like, yeah, there are people who would say I'm starting a writing business. You know, this is this is what I'm doing. But I think those people are very different people than than us and they're doing very different projects. So. Right. Usually to, to start a writing business, you have to be willing to write thousands and thousands of words about stuff that you hate. Yeah, you're writing like marketing copy, yep. essentially. And you're just doing it for hire. You're writing words about things that you may or may not care about. But Yeah, and, um, and like probably spitting out like all sorts of listicles and marketing copy and just submitting yeah. stuff out the ear to whatever website and publications who pay you like pennies a word or like yeah. $5 an article. I mean, that's, yeah. what, that's what happens if you want to start a writing business. Yeah. Or you yeah, could have a, a job and do a little writing and occasionally get paid for it. That's a grim picture you just painted, Piper. I'd much rather be a church planner. It's way sexier. Way. way and you look way. better in the process, too. Dude, you look better. Your pictures are better. It's it, You're an entrepreneur. It's just a way better thing. So let's talk about some things that aren't better with the, uh, with the remaining <laughs> yes. moments that we have. And there are a few of them. And I want to start with this link you sent out, Piper, uh, about how TAG kickball red rover and musical chairs uh were were deemed inappropriate these were all like gym class games uh that were banned by the state of alabama so this is this is a fascinating development because those are all games that um i think we probably grew up playing in gym class and that we all thought of as rather innocuous you know i don't i don't think there was anything like sinister about uh about any of those games although maybe actually dodgeball is not on here I assume dodgeball would be on here, but I think that maybe I think that they one goes. Maybe, I was going to say maybe maybe that's they just don't want to speak ill of the dead. Like that one's been that yeah. one's been gone for a while. Dodgeball's been dead for like a decade plus, but uh, but yeah, this is a real thing. So the state of Alabama has killed Red Rover and Tag. See, and I thought Red Rover died a while ago too, along with dodgeball, because I mean it's a, there, there are physical collisions that happen in that game, and we all know the physical collisions are, are the worst the, thing. They're the epitome of hatred of children if you allow them to happen so did you know how i know that it. also is that i read about that twice a year on the gospel coalition how how contact sports are the worst and football is the worst um and i just saw a list of all the football books you should read um it's actually a decent list though that's the crazy thing so it, it is I, you know i i had the same reaction to you when i saw that headline on there i was like are uh, you kidding me they're doing it yeah. again but then I went through and it was basically so there's a couple paragraph introduction uh, by I think it, I think uh, Thomas Kidd wrote it and he's a he's a uh, he's I a historian. Was, was it okay? I, I, yeah, I couldn't yeah. tell. I, I saw both names on there. But mm-hmm. and then it was just a list of books about football and some of them are ones that we recommended on the sports podcast. Dude, yeah, one that the, I recommended in our most recent episode. And there, some of them are really phenomenal books. Yeah, like those three: Friday Night Lights. Um, the one that you mentioned and then the Marinus biography of Lombardi were all phenomenal. And then there was a, there was an awful lot of like university press PhD bloviating in there, too, though. Yeah. I which, mean, there, there was like politics and football and like that. Yeah. yeah, I don't care. Um, yeah. But that's the, a book that four people are going to read because it's not fun and it and it sucks. I hadn't run across the David Moranis or however you say his name, biography of Lombardi, and it immediately went on my reading list. So it's going to. Oh, for it, sure, man. Up, it'll be up sometime in the next few months. Yeah, I read that one a few years ago. It's really good. Well, he can, really he can write. I read another biography of him. He did one of uh, Roberto Clemente that's pretty pretty spectacular. Oh, yeah, he did, didn't he? Interesting. Well, not to turn this into happy rant sports. <laughs> yeah, but, sorry, uh, sorry, listeners. But there is a sports element in that we're talking about gym class. And Piper, I find it ironic 
that the state of Alabama is basically dynastic and dominant at the most violent college sport there is, which is college football. But they're now not allowing the kids in their in their public schools to play like kickball and tag. Um, here's what my, was here's what was interesting about that because there I would have expect when I saw that I had two reactions. First was Alabama, really, of all the states. Yeah. I mean, like California, definitely New York, sure. absolutely New Hampshire, sure. You know, maybe even Illinois because Chicago uh, has yeah. you know has it's a bit of a liberal twist to it. But yeah. uh, but Alabama for real. Then the yeah. second one was the rationale was. It wasn't because of safety. It was because kids might get embarrassed. Mm. Dude, I, I don't know about you, but for me at that age, school was just an exercise in getting embarrassed. Like, you, I got embarrassed so often at school, it became not embarrassing anymore. You know what I mean? And I, I, I think that was the perverse magic of going to school in that era. Like, you, you become somewhat immune to being embarrassed and that's part of your development. Yeah, but, like, uh, the, you have to get embarrassed so that you realize... Oh, like there's actually very little harm done in your average embarrassment. You know, that's right. It's you, not you trip on a shoelace, you spill yeah. your lunch tray, like you're very. You drop ashamed. your books in the hallway. Yeah, you, you know, know, you fart in class. Whatever it is, like whatever the thing that happens that's embarrassing, what you realize is, oh, I'm still alive. That's this not is, unusual. That's okay. called. That's called being a person in yeah. school, you know. But and, now we treat it like it's a, like a cancer diagnosis. And, like, oh, like you got embarrassed, right? How, how are you doing? How's your family? You know, like it's part of yeah. the same reason that sports are valuable. Sorry again, not to make this into sports because losing is a really valuable thing. You know, Absolutely. if all you ever do is win, then you are both uh, the maker of a very popular song as well as like that just doesn't happen. Or, or you're psychotic. Like, the only people who, who perpetually win are, like, Tom Brady and Michael Jordan, and they're, they're insane. Yeah. Everybody else takes the L sometimes, and that's essentially what embarrassment is. You took the L. Like, that's yeah. – so be it. Learn that's from it. Good. Move yeah. on. I want my kids to get embarrassed in the normal everyday life sense because sure. I want them to be able to laugh at themselves. And Absolutely. I want them not to laugh too hard at others because empathy is a good thing too. And so the, really the rationale was just like – I'm like, we, we are making – weenies out of yeah we, dude we are we're su- we're such like a weenie factory these days uh in the school business it's amazing oh speaking uh, of making weenies out of kids another book recommendation that just came to mind i yeah. just stumbled across this michael lewis so the same guy who wrote the blind yeah. side and Moneyball and a bunch of books about wall street the big yep. uh, the big short and some others the big short one of the best storytellers uh, out there in terms of nonfiction storytelling he wrote a book called coach uh-huh. It's probably like it's it's more like a booklet. It's really short, <clears throat> and it's about his high school baseball coach and him going back to tell a story. So he sort of intersperses stories from his upbringing, so sort of this legendary tough nut coach, uh-huh. and then going back today where parents are trying to run the coach off because he's hurting players' feelings, uh-huh. and so watching the coach try to navigate that, and and he had some brilliant things to say in there about how. Parents trying to protect their kids from adversity directly shapes how they make bad decisions in the future. And yeah, absolutely, uh, but I mean, but also just it's a it's a heartwarming, brilliant story. Some great leadership lessons if you care about that side of things. So it's called Coach by Michael Lewis. But it reminds me of this because the the coach was not an abusive coach. You know, he wasn't like he never laid a hand on players or anything. But you know, he would smash stuff and scream and make players run extra and. <laughs> Yeah, like good. What good coaches do, 
Yeah. And, yeah, and parents exactly. were like, they, they were offended. Yep. Yep. And it's ridiculous. That's right. That's right. No, it is. It's totally ridiculous, Piper. And we sound like such old men right now. I am. Such, yes, absolutely. I'm going to own that. Such unbelievably old men. And uh, I want to lay another old man thing on you. And that is uh, this link that you sent out about Nashville's most anticipated restaurant openings in the fall of 2018. Oh, so Nashville, isn't it? Yeah, Nashville has become something of a uh, a posh like hipsters paradise. It's sort of like it, this is Disneyland for hipsters, you know. So if if really the desire of your heart is to drink like a twenty dollar beer out of a mason jar um, and eat like a really fancy burger off a plank of wood, like that's the city for you. I, I can think of no better city in which to do those things. And uh, so this is the this is the environment that we're in. And I understand, Piper, I didn't I didn't read the whole article, but one of these uh, supposedly hotly anticipated places is uh, specializing in a quinoa burger. Am I right about that? Yes, you are. So the the (laughs) I wish I was wrong about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry that you're right. Um, Yeah. So the heading was something like, you know. Most anticipated openings featuring um, hush puppy crusted catfish. You know what that sounds like? Heaven. That sounds yeah. delicious. Absolutely. And then you know, like oysters on the half shell. Okay, take them or leave them. That's a, that's a matter yeah, of taste. Yeah. And and even a quinoa burger, as oh. if as if that's the pinnacle food that's of all of these things thing. opening. That's right. What what does it say about our society that quinoa burger is the pinnacle food in the marketing copy? Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a sad state of affairs. And I mean, I would take pumpkin spice over that. And I believe I've been very vocal about my utter dismissal of pumpkin spice. You have. Yeah, to be fair, you you absolutely have. And I think quinoa has replaced pumpkin spice. And how much must you hate yourself um, if if you're ready to go out? So you're going to have a little night on the town in Nashville, Piper. And you get your, you know, you get your nicest, you know, dark, dark wash pair of jeans on and a nice little button down shirt. And, uh, you know, you're you're taking a lucky lady out in the town in Nashville and you go to this restaurant where, you know, you're going like 35 bucks out of pocket for a, a burger and some kind of fruity side. Um, how much must you hate yourself to order the quinoa burger? Because it's a thing that no one wants. Right. Nobody, nobody's sitting at home going like, I really have a taste for this. Um, you order it for like persona related reasons only. Um, but I can't imagine the regret. You'd have to be made of money. You would have to have like Odell Beckham Jr. money to go out on the town and blow it on a quinoa burger. Am I right? I don't. Yeah, I, I have. I'm speechless by. Yeah. By the choice. Yeah. It's a choice. It is a choice. People are making like I would eat a quinoa burger if the alternative was like you're gonna shoot my dog. Fine. Yeah, you're gonna shoot my dog. Choke that mess down. Fine. Or I'm gonna die of hunger. Right. Right. And a quinoa burger is the only thing. I'll eat it. Sure. I'll probably be happy about it. A quinoa burger is a lot like running. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're right. It's like jogging. Absolutely. It's like growing up. I Mm -hmm. ran in one context only. Punishment at practice. Exactly. I mean, like just ran laps, you know, just jogged. And it was when my coach was like, you guys all suck. Go give me 15 laps around the field. Okay, fine. Yep. Yep. That's when I ran. Now I hate myself three times a week when I go run so that I don't get fat. 
Yeah. I yes. So that I'm making a choice. I acknowledge this, but that's the quinoa burger. The problem is that people also claim they really like running. They're like, oh, you've never experienced a runner's high. You're, you're right, because it doesn't exist. That's nonsense. A <laughs> runner's high. Yeah. You're, no, you're high if you think there is a runner's high. That, you're high on something <laughs> entirely different. Yeah. That's the quinoa burger. It is the choice to do a thing that is miserable. And it might be for positive reasons, but you're choosing to do the miserable thing and lying about liking it. Yeah, no, you're right, man. And it occurs to me that jogging kind of goes hand in hand with this other this other article that we mentioned about gym class in that I feel like jogging is going to be the last thing left. You know what I mean? But you can't jog with other people because other people might be faster than you or they might be better runners. <laughs> That's so, right. There will be individual periods of gym class yeah, where, where, where like you'll just jog alone and no one can see you. Or like, indiv- or like individual zones where it's like, okay, yeah. this is a this is a forty four square foot room, and you're just gonna <laughs> you're gonna run around it without being able to see anybody else several times. Or maybe everybody gets their own like uh, stall with like a like a treadmill in it in inside of it, and everybody gets to run like in private. That way you get you get fitness, but like no one can see you, nobody can be embarrassed by how slow you are. Um, this is really going to be the only thing, and and honestly, these. Okay, just to to take it back to the Gospel Coalition for a minute, and then I probably have to go. Um, these egghead types who write these anti-football, like anti-competition, anti-violence articles on the Gospel Coalition twice a year, which you can set your watch by. Ultimately, like that's what they're going toward. You know, like jogging is the answer. You know, it's not violent. Nobody's getting hurt. Um, you know, nobody's feeling bad. Uh, it's a side by side thing. You can do it like shoulder to shoulder and it's not like oppositional, you know, jogging is really the answer for these guys. And, uh, that bums me out because of how much I hate jogging. All right. That reminds me of another book recommendation. I feel like I'm on a roll today. Um, yeah, lay it on. there's a book called tribe by Sebastian uh-huh. younger. Who's a, okay. he's a, he's a wartime correspondent journalist. That's what he's best known for. So having written about, um, you know, he's been in Iraq and Afghanistan. He, it's a short book, uh, probably. It's like Tim Keller's small books, except it's okay. not anything like Tim Keller's writing. But it's basically about the bond of between soldiers that develops, you know, when young men, so 18 to 22 years old or whatever, go into combat, but then also how they're completely displaced when they come back into society. Right. That <clears throat> There's a lot of parallels in that. I mean, it's a brilliant book, so... Well researched, really, he's a really good storyteller. There's a lot of parallels in that to what happens when we sort of take away the the combativeness of male youth in a yeah. healthy context. Like sports yeah. are a healthy context for aggression and combat. You take that away, and you essentially make sissies out of people. And I and I, I don't mean this in like an in like the Clint Eastwood. Uh, yeah, <laughs> what is that movie? Uh, Green Torino, where he's just like, all right, everybody. But like, you, you, you <laughs> sort of make sissies out of people, or you you channel their aggression in really unhealthy ways. And I yeah. would guess that there's probably some parallels with uh, mental mental health issues by taking away really strong physical activity as well. And yeah. it's yeah, it's it's people look at one thing that happened like. These kids came home crying because they lost. Well, that must be an awful, an awful yeah. game. They don't get to yeah. play that game anymore. 
I'm so thankful for the losses that I had in life. Like it's, you oh, know, most it, definitely. Oh, I mean, I lost a lot. I played on some terrible teams yeah. and it's good. And I loved yeah. playing and it's so stupid that this whole direction is just dumb, including trying to do away with football. But that's a, a separate argument for a different podcast. Well, dude, and look at all the losing that you do in like the, the book business, you yeah. know, I mean, being involved in publishing is way more losing than winning. Yeah, and it I'm, makes on a, I'm on a wonderful rejection streak by publishers right now for my next book proposal. Like it's, it's, yeah. it's great. Every time I get an, an email from uh, from our shared agent, I'm like, okay, yeah. what's yeah, the L this another time? One. Yeah, yeah. No, I know it, man. I know it. And uh, and truly, those those experiences that you have as a as a young athlete, I think they help you know mitigate against some of that at times but uh piper we have uh we have thoroughly done old man work today on the program this was very and ranty of us we we were we were sort of classically ranty today dude we were we were ranty we were heated we were old men about it and uh i enjoyed it man i i think these things needed to be said and uh i'm glad that we were able to say them today uh we hope that ron is traveling safely wherever he is um you know planting that new church down in florida and uh, hope that goes well for him. And uh, until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hi, I'm Beckett Cook, host of The Beckett Cook Show. I lived as a gay man in Hollywood for many, many years until I had a radical encounter with Jesus 13 years ago. Since then, I've gotten my master's degree in seminary and published a book called A Change of Affection. On my podcast, The Beckett Cook Show, I sit down with fascinating Christian scholars and thinkers to address the lies of the culture and bring the biblical truth to bear on those lies. To start listening now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Becca Cook Show on your favorite podcasting platform.